0: Uh, uh, what a title! What a title! But but uh, this is definitely not a flashy title. But this is what I want to talk to you about, uh, and that's why I just left it. Uh, that's that's sort of what I was was in my mind and was on my heart, and and I just left it. Uh, I left that there. Sometimes when I'm beginning to study out a message, I'll just give it some kind of a title uh, as I'm beginning to study that message out, and it might be two or three weeks in the making. And, uh, and then as the Lord gets it ready to preach, well, I may give it another title, but uh, I just didn't have anything else I wanted to call this, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. And you say, preacher, did I come all this way to get a history lesson today? Well, in a way, in a way, but it's going to be a history lesson that you can apply to your life. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, church, this is a tough message for a Sunday morning. All right? So everybody just hang on tight. We're going to get through this today. And uh, uh, we talked about this morning, I, I don't know if Evan's able to put the Sunday school lesson on the website, but if he's able to get that up there, you need to go and watch the uh, Sunday school lesson from this morning. And we talked about the difference between preference and position. And, uh, and you, you, you have to make sure you never get hung up on preference. I wish I could tell you that what I'm going to preach on this morning is preference, but it's not. It's position, and it's a tough position, but it's position, and it's not my position. It's God's position. How many know we have to take God's position? And and so I want to show you a few things uh, from this passage. When you find your place, let's all stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Romans 1. And look at verse number 15. We'll read down through verse number 23. Romans 1 verse 15, Paul says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead soul, that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Look at verse 23. And changed, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And you may be seated this morning. And I want to we're going to dwell on those verses and a few others today, but I want to talk to you about the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. We can learn a great lesson from this, and so I hope that you'll uh, hope you'll hear me out today, and I trust this will be a help and a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you so much for the privilege to be here today. What a wonderful time we've had. God, what a great time of worship. Lord, the choir just knocked it out of the park. We thank you for anointing them today. God, thank you for the good congregational singing, and Father, we're so thankful for this song that Miss Krista just sang. What a beautiful name it is—the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, as we prayed in the prayer room a minute ago. I pray that you'd hide us behind the cross now, and um, Lord, uh, we love to preach encouraging messages, and and God, if folks will be faithful, we'll do that much of the time. But Lord. Today, you've sent us down a little different path, a little more instructive path, uh, maybe even a little bit more controversial path, um, but Lord, I believe that this is the message for the hour, and so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower the preacher. I'm just the, the deliverer. I'm just the communicator of the message. You're the, you're, you're the one that, that gives the message. And so I pray for your empowering. And then, Lord, I pray that you would give the people power, Lord, to hear and to learn. And, and God, may we, not just, may we not just be hearers, but may we be, be doers of the Word. And so, Spirit of God, help us now, I pray. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Boy, I love Adrian Rogers, don't you? And I was listening to uh, Adrian Rogers. Of course, he's been with the Lord now for quite a few years and Adrian Rogers said this he said that God never gives you truth to make you more intellectual. God gives you and I truth for the purpose of worship. The more we learn about the Lord, the more we learn about the righteousness of God, the more it makes us want to worship. Now I'm going to give you some I'm going to give you some information today. And it's not information to make you more intellectual but it's information to, to try to hopefully help you to, to worship the Lord and to understand just how righteous and holy he is. The book of Romans was written, of course, to those Christians living in Rome. You didn't need me to tell you that this morning, did you? And Paul had long desired to visit the church established there, but for some reason was hindered from doing so. The Bible tells us in Romans 13 we didn't read that this morning, but Romans one thirteen. Paul said, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. The word let there is the King James word that means hindered. And Paul said to the church of Rome, I wanted to come and many, many times. He said, I, it was my desire to come and to try to uh, speak to you and preach to you and teach you and try to be a blessing and, and try to help you, but for some reason, He said, the Holy Spirit hindered me from coming. And so although Paul was not able to visit the church in Rome, Paul instead writes this letter to the Romans instructing them in the way of doctrine. The Roman Empire, that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. The Roman Empire became one of the most powerful, powerful governments to rule the world. In fact, at the time of Paul's life, it's believed that there were probably at least one million people that lived in the city of Rome. Now, this is a large city. This is way, way back. And this is a very, very large city. One of the reasons that Rome was so heavily populated is because many of those who lived there were slaves. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and and so uh, they said that there were pretty much two classes of people that lived in Rome. There was the... Uh, incredibly elite, those that were uh, super wealthy or super poor. That you, if you lived in Rome, you probably lived in a palace or you lived as a pauper. Uh, You lived in a palace or you lived in the slums. And they said that uh, many of the people in Rome did live as slaves. Uh, Rome's footprint was felt uh, in most of what was the known world back in that day and time. Uh, Rome, the Roman Empire included most of what would now be considered Western Europe. They had conquered many, many nations, uh, including England, or what would have been known as Wales back in that day, Spain, and France, and Greece. Uh, and most of the Middle East was conquered by the Roman Empire. And even the northern African coastal region was conquered by Rome. Again, uh, you understand that, that uh, most of the known world uh, was, uh, there was much much of the world, because travel was very limited back in that day, uh, there were many places about the world we didn't even know about. But most of the known world was occupied by Rome. Uh, Rome was incredibly wealthy, incredibly wealthy. But this great empire, which is really interesting to read about, this great empire finally came crashing down. And Rome ended up burning. Now, uh, there were several different reasons for that, but at least in part, Rome was destroyed because in part, corruption became more and more predominant. And the more heady that Rome came, became, the more they thought that they could make up their own rules and they could do anything that they wanted to do and they had to answer to no one, including God. God. And so, Rome became a very idolatrous, idolatrous nation. Now, you'll say again, preacher, why are you telling us about the Roman Empire? Well, one of the reasons I'm telling you about them is because America today is very similar to Rome. Very, very similar to the Roman Empire. Think about it. Rome was, was very well known back in this day and time, and so was America. The United States of America is known worldwide. If there is a wealthy nation on the face of the earth, you're living in it. Man, we're blessed, aren't we? I mean, even the poorest of our people live better than many of the people in third world countries. And if you ever travel outside, and I know some of you have, if you ever travel abroad, it's amazing. One of the first things that you notice as you travel outside America is that, man, a lot of other nations are really, really poor. Poor, poor people. And yet America is incredibly wealthy, blessed beyond measure, I guess probably one of the most highly educated nations in the world, advanced in technology. And yet sadly, just like Rome, we see America losing ground. Just like the, the great, what they would have called the great Roman Empire, uh, people looked at it like it was something that can never be brought down, but yet little by little the Roman Empire began to unravel. And you know what? And I, by the way, in, in, just in case you're wondering, I am so thankful for America and I'm thankful that I'm an American and I still believe that she's one of the greatest nations on the face of the earth, but we are watching as the moral fiber of our nation is pulled out thread by thread and little by little by little, America is on its way down. One of the things we notice about Romans chapter one is that God accuses Rome of some very serious faults. In fact, you study your Bible, you'll find this out. God uses some very, what was considered to be very strong language. We use it sort of glibly nowadays. But God labels these Romans as Fools. He calls them foolish. Look at look back at your Bible again, if you will, Romans chapter 1, verse number 21. Because, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And God says about Rome that they were already they were already foolish, but now this foolish heart is darkened, verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Well, I found that, I read that the other day and I began to think about that and I thought, Lord, uh, you said their foolish heart was darkened and you called Rome, the Roman people, foolish people, fools. Well, how was it that they became fools? Can I give you three, just three thoughts this morning? Number one, Rome became foolish in their theology. Look at Romans chapter one, verse number 23. Interesting wording here. Romans one, verse 23. The Bible says about Rome and change the glory. That word glory there is the idea of dignity, the dignity of God the power of God, the holiness of God, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man into birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things. The Romans were guilty of changing the glory of God and trying to make God similar to a man, even bringing him down to an animal, comparing God to a forfeited beast or creeping things. You say, important, pretty important, because the world's trying to do the same thing today. That same strategy is being attempted as I speak, uh, and not just in Rome, but here in America. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, the world would have us, first of all, the world would have us deny his divinity. The world tries to persuade us that to believe that God is just like a man, that there's nothing that's really, really special about the Lord, in fact, I'm pretty sure right now that there is a full-blown propaganda crusade that's going on among our young people in our schools, our high schools, our college campuses, our universities, and uh, and they're, they're doing this. They're trying their best to convince our youth that Jesus Christ was nothing more than just a man. Uh, he was just like you. He's just like me. He was a sinner like you. He was a sinner like me. That uh, he had the same lustful thoughts that you have, uh, the same lustful thoughts I have, uh, that he had relationships, he was interested in women, he was married, he had children, and all in an attempt to try to bring God down to their level. Now, I want to tell you something, church. If the Lord Jesus Christ is a sinner, I've got some very bad news to share. If Jesus is a sinner, there's no way he could pay for your sin. People say, well, it's just, he's just like, just like you. Well, he was a man. He was 100% man, but thank God he was 100% God. And our Bible says he was the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Listen to me. If Jesus Christ was just like me and if Jesus was a sinner just like me, there was no way that he had the ability to pay my debt. If I go into a restaurant, my wife and I, Miss Tammy and I walk into a restaurant and uh, we see Brother Abel, Miss Lauren, they're in the same restaurant. And we're sitting over here in this booth, and they're sitting over there across the, the way. And and the uh, little waitress brings our brings our ticket, and our ticket's sixty dollars. And brother really Abel walks over and says, "Preach, I want to pay for I want to pay for your ticket." But the waitress brings him him and Laura a, a debt check as well, and their check is sixty dollars. He looks in his wallet, and all he's got is sixty dollars. Well, you know what? He may have great intentions but he can't pay my debt if he only has enough to pay his debt. Are y'all with me? You see, he's got to pay his debt first. If Jesus Christ would have come to this earth and lived like you and sinned like you and fell like you and, and uh, stole like we've stole and thought bad thoughts like we've thought bad thoughts and cursed like we've cursed and, 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 and uh, lived a sinful life like we've lived, I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ would have a debt of his own to pay, but thank God, thank God, he was the sinless son of God. He was a man like you and a man like me, but thank God our Bible. Tells us that he was without sin. In fact, listen, if you will, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 for we have not in the high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. How about Hebrews 9 and verse 28? So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, he shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. How about 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse number 21? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How about First John? John 3 and verse 5 and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin how about 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 22 who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth how about 1 Peter 2 verse 24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live in the righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed thank God he is divine and he is deity and thank God he is God But we live in a world who wants us to take away from that. And they want us to to deny his divinity, but there's something else here the world would have us deny, his creativity. They want us to believe, kids, listen to me this morning. They want us to believe that God is not responsible for creation. They'd have you believe that everything you experience in this world it's a result of something called evolution, evolution. If you were to ask some people and say, how did this world start? They would say it started with a big bang. And you know what I found out about that big bang theory? Even those people, this is the truth, I'm not making this up, even those people who believe in evolution and believe in the Big Bang Theory believed that there was something here before the Big Bang. In fact, this is listen to this. This is, uh, this is uh, uh, NASA Space, NASASpacePlace.gov. This is their website. All right, so this will give you great faith in your government. Listen to this. When the universe began, it was just hot. Tiny particles mixed with light and energy. It was nothing like what we see now. As everything expanded and took up more space, it cooled down. The tiny particles grouped together. They formed atoms. Then those atoms grouped together over lots of time. Atoms came together to form stars and galaxies. So that's what the scientists say at NASA. Well, I got a question for you. Where did the atoms come from? Well, we believe in the beginning, Adams. Well, help yourself because we believe in the beginning, God. (laughs) You see, there was a God that caused all of this to come to pass. Uh, Somebody said it like this, and it's a little funny. Somebody said three monkeys sat in the coconut tree discussing the things that they are said to be. Said one to another, now listen, you two, there's a certain rumor, but it can't be true. That man descended from our noble race, why? The very idea, it's a disgrace. No monkey ever deserted his wife, starved her babies, or ruined her life. Nor did ever a mother monkey leave her babies with others to bunk, or pass them on from one to another till they scarcely knew who was their mother. And another thing, you'll never see a monkey building a nest around a coconut tree and let the coconuts go to waste, forbidding all other monkeys to have a taste. Why, well, if I build a fence around a coconut tree, starvation would cause me to, to distribute to you. Here's another thing that a monkey won't do. Go at it at night, get on a stew, or use a gun, a club, or a knife to take another monkey's life. Yes, man descended the ornery cuss, but brother, he didn't descend from us. <laughs> Somebody said, first I was an amoeba when I began to begin. Then it was a tadpole my tail tucked in. Then it was a monkey in a coconut tree, and now I'm a professor with a Ph.D. <laughs> now, I want to tell you something. That's a lie straight out of hell. That's what that is. Somebody says, Pastor, all these things that happened, they just evolved. It just, you know, it just happened to happen, brother. It didn't happen to happen. There is a God who's responsible for creation. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. John 1.1 says it like this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Thank God we have a God who is a great creator and young people, I want to I challenge you this morning as you're going to school and as you're going to, to, to college and the university campuses, and I'm not telling you to be unchristlike. I'm not telling you to be unkind, but I am telling you this. When somebody stands up in front of you and tries to get you convinced that there is not a God, I'm telling you, they don't know what they're talking about. There is a God. Amen. And he's a divine God. One of the reasons that Rome failed was because Rome became very foolish in their theology. But there's something else I want you to notice. Secondly, Rome became foolish in their biology. Now look, if you will, at Romans chapter one, verse 24. Not only did they get messed up in their theology and their study of God, but they became messed up in their biology. Romans 124, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. Notice this line, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Look at verse 25, church, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. The word dishonor there means they've insulted. It's the idea of insulting. They insulted their own bodies and they changed the truth about their bodies into a lie. It's what Rome did. And because of that, Rome failed. Did you know our world is following the same pattern today? What do you mean, Pastor? They're trying to change the truth of God into a lie by denying their gender, their self identification, their generation. Genesis, I'm not trying to be controversial this morning. I'm just trying to be biblical. And it's really a shame. It's really a shame that when you are biblical anymore, you're perceived as controversial. I didn't come here to be controversial. I'm not, a, I'm not even a, a, a guy that likes conflict by nature, but I'm just telling you that I have a responsibility to preach what the Word of God says. And, uh, and we know one of the reasons that Rome failed is because they got all messed up in their biology. Uh, they begin to, uh, begin to deny their very gender, and we see that happening in America today. Now, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Genesis 127, so God... Created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, he him, male and female Amen. created he them. Yes. Genesis 5, 2, male and female created he them. And then the Bible says, and blessed them. Now it's 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 necessary. Is it nice? It's not nice. It's not, uh, you know, I know sometimes you don't like to hear the preacher preach things like this, but it's necessary preaching. Because our kids today are so mixed up, man, they don't know which way is up. They're hearing so many things. Well, Oprah says this, and Dr. Phil says this, and, and this talk show host says this, and this teacher says this, and this college professor says this, and kids, this is what I'm saying. Let's just get back to what the Bible says. And the fact, the fact, and you can debate it all day long, but the fact of the matter is when you are born, you are born with either XX chromosome or XY chromosome. What do you, what do you, what do you mean, preacher? Listen, if you're born with an XY, that means you're a male. And if you're born with XX, that means you're a female. By the way, be proud of who you are. Man, if you're, a, if you're a woman, hallelujah, thank God that God made you a woman. If you're a man, thank God that God made you a man. Don't try to change it. And it is a shame what's going on in our nation. And Brother Finley made tribute to it on, on Thursday night. It is a shame when we've got, we've got parents that are trying to uh, change the minds of little five-year-old kids. They're gonna have sex changes and gender changes. I'm telling you, that stuff's abomination in the sight of God. And somebody ought to preach on it. We, listen, and in and, and, and this, something too, I thought about this. We don't seem to be confused about this idea of gender except when it comes to humanity. The other day, the other day we were with some of our folks and uh, Ernie and Linda had their dogs with them and they have a beautiful collie. Man, that's one of the prettiest collies I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, I can't remember, what is it, a boy or a girl, Linda? It's a girl. Isn't it amazing? And I think I asked y'all that night. I said, is is it a boy or a girl? Isn't it amazing Ernie and Linda didn't say, well, you know, she doesn't know. Well, you know, preacher, really, not sure. Pastor, she hadn't made up her mind yet. No. No. Man, if you're out walking your dog, you're walking your dog, you come up, And they say, oh, that is so cute. Is that a boy or a girl? Oh, yes, boy. Am I telling the truth or telling the truth this morning? I mean, listen, even the animals know. I mean, even the animals know. And yet, we've got a bunch of crackpots out here in our colleges and, and, uh, and, and out here in these uh, places that are trying to get our kids all messed up and bum-fuzzled and confused and say, you don't know what you are and you don't know what you want to be. Listen, I'm gonna tell you what. There's a lot of things I don't know, but I'm telling you something. I know this. I'm a man. I'm a man. And oh, listen. They're trying to change, trying to change their gender. I'll tell you something else, this thing of biology. They're trying to change the truth of God into a lie by denying not only their gender, but by denying the sanctity of life. I'm talking about biology. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I'm pregnant, but it's not really a baby. And we're so mixed up, church. We're so mixed up now that when a reporter asked in the press, you know, this is either popular or not popular, but I'm just gonna, you know what? We might as well just go ahead and tell it like it is <laughs> I mean, you know, we might as well just keep, quit beating around the bush and just, let's just tell it like it is. It's a sad, sad day in America when a reporter asked the White House pre, briefing secretary uh, in the White House of the United States of America, can a man get pregnant and she won't even answer the question directly? We're mixed up. You know why we're mixed up? We got away from that book right there. And now we've got women... And if you're here this morning and you've had an abortion, I'm thankful that there is a God that's a God of forgiveness Amen. and God will restore you and God still loves you and God will use you. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not here to, to knock you down or to belittle you. I'm not at all. I'm, I'm thank God, I thank God that God is a God of forgiveness. But I'm telling you, we have got to start standing up for the sanctity of life. Well, I'm pregnant, but it's not a, it's not a baby. It's not a, it's not a real life. Or it's, this is my body and I'm free to do whatever I please with my body. Those are not your eyes and that is not your nose and that is not your feet. Only 22 days after fertilization, that little fetus, that's about the size of a sesame seed. This little heart begins to beat. Only after six weeks that baby's little nose and mouth are beginning to take shape. At seven weeks of pregnancy, it's about the size of a blueberry. But already its hands and its feet are developing. Church, I'm, I'm just telling you this this is not hard to understand. This is not rocket science. This is not hard to figure out. I I, I don't want to get crashed this morning. I, I don't want to. And I'm not, go- I'm not going to, I don't think. I'm not going to get gross. But don't flash your medical license in front of me while you're pulling out little arms and legs and pieces and trying to tell me that you're just doing a procedure and that's all you're doing. Brother, what you're doing is all out murder. Murder, that's right and i believe this i believe and we talk about the the atrocities of an of an adolf hitler and how he uh, how he sent 6 million jews to the concentration camps brother i believe one of these days that adolf hitler will have to wait in line as america has to apologize for taking literally millions and millions of life and by the way while i'm really good on that point let me say something else it's a sad day when it's a sad day when our politicians, since the Supreme Court has finally put down Roe v.ersus Wade, it is a it is a sad day when our politicians and yes, even our president of the United States is now saying, "Listen, if you want an abortion, we'll pay your ticket, we'll pay your way, and we'll pay for the abortion." I want to tell Joe Biden that one of these days he will stand before Almighty God and he will answer for what he's done. Yes, sir. Free. And so will all those Supreme Court justices. And so will all those senators and governors. Bunch of compromisers. You say, Pastor, you need to calm down. No, it's time somebody got fired up. Rome fell. Why did they fall, preacher? They became fools, fools in their theology. They became fools in their biology. Listen, Psalm 139, verse 14, still in the Bible. The psalmist said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. We got to bring this thing to a close. Rome became foolish in their theology. Rome became foolish in their biology. I'm gonna tell you something else. Calvary Rome became foolish in their sociology. What do you mean, preacher? I'm talking about social relationships. Did you know throughout the course of human history, there's always been a structure to social relationships? It's one of the things that has provided strength to America. Social relationships. What do you mean, preacher? Father Son. Mother. Daughter. Parent. Child. Husband. Wife. And each of those relationships are sacred and unique. But let me tell you what's going on. We become foolish in our sociology. And so now we are completely changing the social structure. So... Men and women who are unmarried are trying to have the relationship of a married couple. And so were they in Rome. And Rome failed. Hey, young people, your pastor loves you. I do love you today. And you know one of the best things you'll ever do when you go into marriage is go into marriage without a lot of baggage. When you go into marriage, go into marriage pure. Save yourself for that young man. Save yourself for that young lady. Save yourself. Hey, if you're making out with somebody, you might be making out with somebody's future husband. It's preaching, we're just having fun. I'm telling you. You're just having fun. That's going to come back and haunt you later. Well, I could say so many things right there. We're changing up that, that, those social relationships. Kids who aren't even grown are having relations reserved only for married couples. Men have left the need for women. Men with men. Women with women, adults with children, humans with animals. You say, pastor, don't talk about that. It's the truth. I, and by the way, you say, preach. I don't think you ought to say it. He said it. I didn't say it. He said it. Look back in your Bibles, Romans chapter one. Look at verse number 24, Romans 1, 24. Look what God said. He said, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor, insult, and treat in shamefully. That's what that word dishonor means. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward another. Well, well, uh, uh, what's he talking about? It tells you what he's talking about. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Now, I'm just, I'm just. Trying to tell you this. There's a reason Rome failed. They became foolish in their theology. They became foolish in their biology. And they became foolish in their sociology. Well, you say, Pastor, that's not very encouraging. Is there any hope? There is hope. And I'm holding it in my hand right here. There is hope. Let me give you this, and we're done. In 2 Kings chapter 22. The Bible says that Josiah has become the king. He's eight years old when he begins to reign. It's one of my favorite Old Testament Bible stories. He's eight years old, eight years old when he inherits the throne. He grows a few years, he turns into a teenager and the Bible says that uh, Josiah begins to walk in the ways of David, his father. He begins to do right and he, he, he tells his, his people, he said, we're going to open up the house of God and we're going to repair the house of God. And so he sends Hilkiah down there. And boy, they begin to get the workers together and they begin to repair God's house and they begin to open up the doors and open up the windows. They begin to bring all the trash and the debris out and they're cleaning up all the rubble from the house of God that's been destroyed before he comes. And when they are, as they are cleaning up the house of God, they come across the law of the Lord. And the Bible says that they, Shaphan, I think it is, Shaphan takes the the law of the Lord to the king, and he begins to read to King Josiah. And the Bible says, Josiah rents his garments, and he says, brother, we're in trouble. Hey, you read it later, 2 Kings 23. You know what happens? Josiah the king, a teenager, Josiah calls all the kingdom together, and they begin to read the word of God to the nation, to the nation. You know what happens? Revival breaks out. Revival breaks out. You say, preacher, what's our hope in America? We've got to get back to the book. I heard, I heard Dr. Johnny Pope tell this story a long, long time ago. I heard the story of an army who was fighting a battle. And the big battle began to go down somewhat for the good guys and at the front of that army, there was a standard bearer. There was a guy that was holding the flag high. He was on the front lines of the, uh, of the battle, and all of a sudden, their standard bearer was wounded. He took a shot or two, and all of a sudden, the flag began to waver back and forth, and that standard bearer fell, and the flag came crashing down to the ground. One of the other soldiers, seeing what happened without any regard to his own life, ran through those bullets and ran to the front line and he picked up that standard and he raised that standard high and the men back behind him began to shout this, quick, quick, bring the standard back to the men. Bring the standard back to the men. And that brave soldier yelled back and said, no, Never. Bring the men up to the standard. You know what, Calvary Baptist Church? It's not time that we bring the standard back to the men. It's not time we compromise our position because the world's in a mess. It's time, my dear friend, that we bring the men up to the standard. And it may not be popular, And we may or may not have the largest church in America preaching this kind of a message, but it's time we bring the men up to the standard. And it's time we bring our young people up to the standard and say, this is what the word of God teaches. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to be here at Calvary Baptist Church today. And God, I want to thank you for the word of God. Father, thank you. You've given us a a clear message. Father, I pray that you'd help us to to hold the line. Father, help us not to compromise. Now, Lord, help us to be Christ-like and help us to be loving and help us to be kind to everybody that we come in contact with. But oh God, I pray that you'd help us to bring the men up to the standard. God, help us never to compromise our position. Father, I pray that you'd work in hearts today. And Lord, I pray that if it'd be your will, that Father, that somehow you would send revival to America again. Lord, I might make it out. I might make it out of this world unscathed, but I don't know my, my, about my grandbabies. Lord, I've got little Barrett here and I've got little Moses and Adrian with me right now. God, I wonder what this world's gonna be like for them if you, tear are coming. What's it gonna be like in 30 or 40 years? Are they gonna be free to do what we're doing today? God, today I pray that you'd help us to Help us to take a stand and help us to be found faithful. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two this morning. How many, first of all, are here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. If that's you, you just sort of wave your hand at the Lord and say, yes, yes, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Wonderful wonderful it's a wave offering you can lower your hands let me ask you this though how many are here this morning would say pastor I couldn't raise my hand and if I died today I'm not sure I would go to heaven and I need you to pray for me is there one like that anywhere today you'd let me have a prayer with you right now you'd say preacher if I died I'm not sure that I would go to heaven And you'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray with you right now? you just slip your hand up. You'd say, Pastor, remember me. I see that hand. Is there another? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another? Can I pray for you? Just raise it up high to me, okay? Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Can I pray for you? I'm gonna pray for these today. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I've already raised my hand about salvation. But I I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I'm not really where I need to be with the Lord. It's time that I come up to the standard. Preacher, it's time I come up to the standard. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. If that's you right now, you just slip your hand up. Say pastor remember me I need to rededicate my life to Christ You'd slip your hand up right now How many are like that today? Would you do me a big favor Would you stand all over the house Father thank you For your blessings and, Lord thank you for showing us something From Romans chapter 1 today Lord I pray that you'd help us to be Faithful With your word God help us to continue to to preach the gospel. God, to do everything we can to get people born again, to get people saved. Father, I pray that you'd help some mamas and daddies to, to come up to the standard today. God, I pray that you'd give us some young people and teenagers, young adults that would come up to the standard today. God, help us not to compromise. Lord, help us not to lose what you've given us in this great, great nation. Lord, I pray that you'd work in hearts today those who need to be saved, those who've raised their hands. Father, I pray that you'd help them to come. Lord, those who need to rededicate their life to Christ, I pray that you'd help them to come. And Lord, maybe there are others here today that have been saved, but they've not followed in believer's baptism, and they need to make themselves a candidate for baptism. It could be many things, but God, I pray today, that you would work. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Our personal workers are in the altar. If we can pray with you about something, the altars are open today. Would you come while we wait just for a moment? We'll sing in just a second, Lord willing. Preacher, not sure about heaven. Hey, why don't you come right now? Would you come? Would you come? Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Hey, come on right now, step out. Would you come? While we wait just for a moment.